Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today we're talking with Danny Nogueras of the band No Win. We talked about Everclear's 1997 album, So Much for the Afterglow. We also talked about yesteryears of alternative rock and if we'll ever see a monolithic popular rock band again in our lifetime. Trust me, we explain more in detail in the pod. No Win released their newest album, Dodger Stadium, on August 19th through Danger Bird Records. Check it out wherever you stream music and pick up a copy direct from the band. Don't forget to check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we listen to records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Honestly, you don't want to miss out, so please subscribe. Okay, let's chat with Danny. Hey Danny, how's it going? I'm doing great today. Uh, I played some pinball at a pinball arcade by my house and my studio is booked out, so I'm currently just relaxing at it. Hmm. Well, uh, we are actually, so we're going to talk about Everclear's, what, third album, So Much for the Afterglow, that came out 1997, that was October 7th, 1997, came yeah. out on Capitol Records, and it was produced by Neil Avron, and it went two times platinum, and what I'll ask is, when was the first time you heard this band or this record? Um, I, I'm not going to be, I can't remember specifically too much, but I can tell you it was on K-Rock in my parents' car driving to or from middle school you know i was just like i would listen to k-rock every day and it was just a yeah 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 i i think it's probably around the time i think we're around the same age <laughs> so yeah. um yeah i think i remember specifically in middle school for some reason in like a math class we were just watching like mtv yeah um i don't know why that would have happened but uh and i feel like i remember the video for i will buy you a new life came on and i was like what is this? <laughs> it's crazy to think about because at the time that I was in middle school, I feel like, cause I was born in 88. So in 97, I was nine. So by the time I was listening to this in middle school and it was really like landing with me, it was already a few years old of a record, but it still felt ubiquitous on like pop rock radio. It was still on all the time. It's like by this, by the point I heard it. And then probably by the time that you heard it, um, I think like, I don't know, by the early two thousands, I was like full on, like, listening to no effects all the time yeah <laughs> yeah so i yeah. was kind of like past like i was like ooh, radio yeah already <laughs> yeah know? so so yeah like you know middle school or being at that age that makes total sense um do you feel like it kind of like changed anything about like how you viewed music at the time or was it just like a thing you listened to no i mean i feel like it informed a lot of how i listen to music because like simultaneously, like my friends and I were like discovering Rancid and No Effects, and like starting to like flirt with like the idea of punk rock. But I felt like I it almost felt like a little secret. Like as my friends got into cooler bands, like I was still heavily obsessed with rock radio. Like I loved Weezer and um, Everclear, and like even like Sugar Ray being on the radio. Like anything that was like pop. I love pop music, and I think it was a good time for people who liked rock music and pop music. Cause like rock radio was great in my opinion at that moment, like not so much with the sugar Ray, but like Everclear and Weezer specifically being huge hit rock bands and green day being on the radio all the time. 
but it was like it's awesome it's all good pop music yeah i also i think a few years ago like i i tried to like kind of reassess this era of music because i feel like there was a point where it's like personally i feel like i filed it under like it was like bare naked lady sugar ray and everclear like kind of all on this thing it's like haha that was of a time yeah you know and then like i was like it's probably within like the last two years i was like i'm gonna like revisit Everclear, because I felt like I heard more and more people kind of talk about them positively, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I liked them when I was a kid. Yeah. But I revisited this record, and I was like, this record's like perfect. And I know I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. No, no, without, it's but it's like, like production-wise, there's tons of things that I feel like people tend to do in this era that didn't age well, personally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, sure, but like sure. the way that a lot of the choices that they made on this record feel timeless i guess is the word people use you know like it's they don't do a lot of the uh a lot of times people in this era they do that kind of bare naked ladies kind of picking yeah sure yeah yeah uh there's probably like an actual word for what that type of picking is that i'm not going to be able to tell you but yeah but yeah this, this record's like it's really i just feel like at that time bands could still be these huge hit artists and they didn't really sound specifically in the everclear case like they don't really sound like anything other than just a band there's yeah. not like like when you go to like sugar ray and, and new metal was happening at the time and that starts to get a little more out there with production and stuff but there's still these bands like weezer came out with green album at the time which was huge which as a weezer fan like mixed feelings everyone has mixed feelings about green album but yeah it's still like it sounds like a rock band playing and it's just produced really well and it's really full. So I think that informed so much about how I, my relationship with music, because to this day, like, I don't think I've ever really made a punk record myself. Like I've never been an artist in a, that's made a punk record. I think I've always like been in punk scenes and had friends in punk scenes and played punk shows, but I still feel like no matter how hard I try, I'm always trying to write a pop song, even if I think I'm not. Like that era informed what I think is like the coolest version of a rock band. Yeah. And so I guess like, so do you feel like that's what they were trying to do with this record? And do you feel like, was that what they were trying to do before this point? Yeah, like I feel like this might be the last era of like the rock star. Like I think these bands genuinely wanted to be really famous, play really big shows, sound really huge. You know, they're like the last gasp of like commercial rock and roll. Cause that had been a thing for so long, like since rock and roll started, like once you get into like the seventies and the eighties, like you're getting into bands who are like, you know, they see the stadiums, they want to play the stadiums. They want to make songs that go on the radio and kids go nuts for like rock was really much, very much dominating the cultural like airwaves. And I feel like this late nineties, early two thousands is like kind of the, one of the last times I can think of where like just rock bands became these like, huge things you know it's like woodstock 99 like there's just this like huge moment and maybe the last moment that big for straight rock music yeah it feels like with this specific era the kind of later 90s part of it um it's almost like they took what happened with grunge and it's sort of like you know it's like grunge was like this era where they were trying to undo a lot of that maybe not i mean maybe consciously a lot of times but and it feels like with something like Everclear, they're like, well, we liked like the L.A. thing, but, it, you know, you're trying to do away with like the excesses of kind of those yeah. things. And they're like, 
can we do the rock band in kind of a better way you know yeah totally and if, if anything like i feel like maybe that's one of the things that like i subconsciously attach you because like it's starting to explore punk at the same time that i'm still really into this pop rock music it doesn't feel that it doesn't feel disingenuous and it doesn't feel artificial like it doesn't feel like limp biscuit you know like which is happening at the same time or a few years later but at the same time that i'm taking it in and where like one is all like flash and attitude and kind of reminds you more of like la in the 80s um Everclear and like Weezer and these other bands that I was getting, like they don't really feel fake to me as a kid. Like they didn't seem like, oh, these like over the top rock stars. Like the shows were huge and the song sounded great, but the attitude wasn't one of like, I'm the coolest and like excess and drugs and rock and roll. It was just like, they just seemed like bands. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's like they kind of each kind of generation kind of learn something from each other. Like with grunge, they're like, well, we don't want any of that kind of like person on a stage kind of thing. Like, you know, with hair metal, it's like we're gods, you know, yeah, we're rock yeah. gods. And then yeah. kind of grunge kind of deconstructs that. So it's like, well, we don't want to be like rock gods. You know, with this era, they're like, we want to be normal people, but we want all of those yeah. things that. Yeah, we want to play of... the huge shows and go on the big tours and sell a platinum yeah. record. Like, you know, they want everyone wants success, but they didn't want to be like, you know. Yeah. A dick, I guess. Yeah, yeah, they didn't want to be the 80s, you know. <laughs> yeah, but there's actually this article that uh, put was put out by Willamette Week in Portland. And I believe the article is called, like, I Think We Got a Problem. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, it just goes through kind of like the whole history of this record and kind of like how people in Portland viewed them. Um, because they were like, I mean, they were big, so probably kind of most people that just heard about Everclear on the radio like went to their shows in Portland, but kind of like the local people, other local bands were like, ew. You know, we're like, yeah. they didn't really like get along with the idea of, I guess like a, we call it like DIY, but I, I don't know if I'd really call it that, but like a smaller yeah. Portland scene, they were kind of, I don't know, it really contested kind of relationship with it because when you look at a lot of the people in the band like greg Eklund and then like steve birch who was like touring with them these were people that were like totally ingrained in the portland scene before so i I guess it's like that that phrase like have your cake and eat it too kind of thing because these people were like punks you know or or they were on like sub pop but they were on like the sub pop bands that you don't really remember per se you know uh, so it's kind of, it's such an interesting time because it's like when you think of, I don't know if you know, like the Portland artist, uh, Steve Birch or like Mike King, mm-hmm. um, just, I don't know, just kind of thinking of them kind of thinking of themselves as like punk, but then also willing to kind of be in like, yeah, I'll go on tour in Australia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that that animosity, I still see it today with bands and like local scenes where it's like, if you want to do both people really don't like that you know in like a local music scene if you have not always but oftentimes i I find that like when bands have like open aspirations like they're very clear about like oh we want to be huge or we want to have like a hit song like people think that's somehow lame or that you're like not as cool as someone who's like 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 your like your love for the craft is less pure than those who are like i don't care about any of that stuff which sure i mean i don't know i i definitely don't stand there but i get both perspectives but yeah, like it's at the same time, like because of that, like the that Everclear didn't feel disingenuous. It's not shocking to me that people who are like in 
punk bands and then a punk scene would be like, yeah, I'll go play with them. Like, cause they don't seem, again, I mean, I don't know them or anything, but it doesn't seem like music where it's like, like, I'm sure if you ask those guys to go do like a Limp Bizkit tour, they'd be like, nah, I'm good. Like I'll stay home. But like when it's just like alt rock, it's just alt rock. Like it's just poppy alt rock. It doesn't seem that like harmful, but I know like it's definitely not cool in local scenes, especially back then to like have aspirations or want to do something that famous people. Yeah. It's funny that like sometimes like how, how like bands like Everclear to me don't feel that much different than, I don't know, like Doughboys are coming to mind, you know, but like kind of because they came from like punk bands, then I feel like kind of like we remember them different, yeah you know, like, or even like at all at like their poppiest point, isn't that crazy different than ever, what Everclear was trying to do. Like there's a no. point where these kind of punk bands become so melodic. It's like, they're really converging at the same point. And yeah. it's funny that people kind of still do the line delineation. You're like, no, that's punk or this is yeah. radio rock. Yeah. I mean, that's always been like the worst part of punk music to me is having to make any sort of like, if I could go back in time to when I was young and like got deeper into punk, like the one advice I'd give myself is like, just don't care. Just stop caring about like, what is this or isn't that? Or it's like the, the biggest waste of time as a young music fan to like care about it. It's like, if it's music, if it feels good and it's not hurting anybody and it seems like positive, it's like, go for it. Which I think yeah. kids are a lot better at now than they were when we were young, you know, like yeah. nowadays, like, I mean, like young punk bands who come to my studio will talk to me about Charlie XCX and be like stoked. And I'm like, this is great. I wish it was like this when I was younger, but everyone was like, if you listen to that, you're out. Like it was just so much more like, you know, tribal back then. Yeah. I feel so torn about it because like, I'm, I, I feel like musically I'm so much more open-minded, but I still have that kind of gnawing voice in my head. That's just yeah. like, you know, sometimes where it shows itself now and uh, it's like, okay, so like, let's say Drake puts out a new record. Yeah. And then I feel like it's like all of everyone I feel like I know on like Twitter timeline, you know, we'll be talking about Drake. And then I'm like, well, but this, you know, it's not even like my record, but it's like yeah. someone my, I'm friends with. And I'm like, Drake doesn't need your help, you know? <laughs> so I and maybe that's like a different angle, but it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, I, I think Charlie XCX is great, yeah. you know, like. And, you know, but like sometimes I'm like, well, it feels weird that, you know, everyone just kind of fills the air with things like Drake. Yeah. When it's like, but no wind just put out a record. We should be talking yeah. <laughs> about that. But it's like, you know, but it's it's also like not pie. It's not like this thing where it's like because you talk about this, this yeah. person can't get. Yeah. So that's kind of a thing. I think like that voice that I guess that punk voice kind of does like where it's like I'm only allowed to talk about my friends bands and you yeah, sort of like. Yeah listen to these other things and like private almost you know yeah i get that makes sense i mean i the one thing i'll say about everyone talking about it like back in, in the days like with the everclear record is like that this is something i miss in the kind of music our friends make and like rock like cool indian alt rock bands make now is you don't get these cultural waypoints these moments like the fact that me and you could discuss everclear where we were when we heard it and everything like now i feel like because we lack these like large scale rock bands i wonder like our cultural waypoints for rock right now are going to like be kids in 20 years talking about machine gun kelly's record and i'm like oh that's that hurts you know like i want there to be like a green day or a weezer or an everclear like i want there to be some just straight up rock pop rock band that leads you into punk that leads you deeper into rock that teaches you something about electric guitars 
and you follow it, you know, but like, I do miss that. And I wish like, that's when everyone, if like if the whole Twitter timeline was talking about a new Everclear, I'd be like, this is great. Like, it's not that they need our help, but it's more just like, let's all participate in this moment together for, for rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's like that idea that it's it's almost of a time where there were like three channels. It's like music felt the same yeah. way. It's like everyone kind of had a shared experience or that was basically the only... Exp- I mean, you could have kind of different timelines within that. You know, it's like yeah. whether it had been hip hop or something like... But you still feel like you kind of had like three main choices, whether yeah. the what the genre was. And like, yeah. you know, Everclear in 1997 to like 2002 was one of those yeah so that i i think it's interesting though to think about like machine gun kelly because it's like i'm like is that the touchstone or is like he is he even too old because i think i made i made that correlation when i was talking to someone yesterday about like ween and i was i was saying that like like ween was in an snl movie in in, like 95 which movie it's pat (laughs) And okay, I don't. I haven't seen it's Pat since I was a kid. <laughs> don't rewatch it. It's Pat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just yeah. Just maybe just look up the YouTube of that scene. Yeah. Um, so, but it's like rock bands aren't. Well, I don't know if music really is like showing up in like TV shows or movies in the same way that it was in this time frame, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so then is what is is anything? I mean, I guess like like I also said on that that episode is machine gun kelly was in the new jackass movie so is that the correlation i mean he's like for better or worse and mostly worse in my in my book but like he is what a lot of like if you talk to a 13 year old right now and you ask like who's the biggest rock star on the planet they'd be like machine gun kelly like the odds of that answer coming up are very high he has like a huge record that is considered a pop punk record and it's like ah. Like, I don't know what we've done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, if it is him, that that does make more sense to me than if... So if, like, I mean, Everclear haven't put out a new record, I believe, since, like, 2015. And if it were them on Twitter getting all the space, I would also actually feel weird about that because, you know, it's like... he Like, Art was born in 1962. Like, yeah. if we're at a yeah. point... You know, I hope that we get a new Everclear record, yeah. you know, like, yeah. but it's like, if that's still taking up the dialogue, like as much as like, let's say like Blink-182 does when they drop a song, it's like, yeah. do we not have new things? That's, I know they keep trying to make us feel like we don't, um, in rock specifically, like, I feel like so much of rock is like, like, you know, Blink-182s, it's like people on their like later career, like we look at like grandfathered in rock bands and like there's so many cool young rock bands and they just don't seem to get the money and the push and the like the exposure that these huge bands you know will get no matter what because i think labels are lazy a lot of the time and there's just like a built-in there's a built-in uh customer base when you're dealing with league 182's new record you know they're they're like it's a very safe bet for a label to deal with that and to promote it but when they try to talk about breaking a new band it's like risky you know they're not they don't want to they don't want to screw up and lose money yeah because it's like when i think of like posters from this like time frame it's like neil young is probably at the top so that's the legacy that's been around too long but it's still second billing would be pearl jam you know so it's like yeah you know and that's a band thinking of the the era that i'm thinking of had been a band for like five years yeah so like you know a band like everclear now not actually them but whatever the modern equivalent is yeah is tiny print 
you know yeah they're, yeah they're yeah. not like kind of pushed to that unless we're just too old to know no i mean I, even I, there's, def- there's definitely some I, mean, I don't want to sit here and act like it's all doom and gloom like there's definitely some people doing great but it's just i feel like even my most successful uh friends in rock and granted i don't know everyone but uh, but my most <laughs> like they're not you don't get those hit song moments, those hit album moments as frequently in rock music as you used to, I guess, is like the main delineation. Like there's just, there's just, and like radio is so dead. And I think that was such a crucial tool to create those moments. Cause like you need the fact that I got in the car after middle school and Everclear is just playing, you know, or whoever, Blink-182 or someone like, that's what created those moments in a large way was radio. And that's so irrelevant at this point. And they're so bad at it. Like they're like you turn on K Rock, the station that I fell in love with when I was a kid. Now in LA, it's like it either sounds exactly how it did when I was in middle school because they just will not update their playlist, or it's just stuff that you're like, this is not even a rock. Like it's half not rock music, and that was like our old yeah. rock station. Yeah, but even even too, I, I feel like if any of you know your peers or whatnot or yourself yeah. even get paid played on K Rock, yeah, then it's not the same appeal that it, it's not the big deal that it was like. Yeah. In in movies or like actually in real life, I feel like if if your band got played on K Rock, it's like yeah. people would be like weeping. Yeah, well, I mean, the first time we we've been played on K Rock, we get played on like you know whatever one of their shows that's not it's not like prime time, um, but some DJ run show, and they played us for a few of our singles that come out. And the first time I got played, I like had a moment because I was like, oh my god, I'm on K Rock, like this is crazy. But then also K Rock and radio in general has become so irrelevant that it was like, I think had that have happened to me in that time that we're talking about, it would have been like, my life would have like felt an impact. Like my career would have had an impact. Nowadays, everyone's like, oh, cool. Like yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. on the radio. That's cool. That's weird. Like no one cares. Like radio just isn't important anymore. Yeah. You know? Like in that moment where if you were playing on K-Rock in 97, it would be like, oh yeah. In the montage, it's like they put sunglasses on you, a bucket hat. Yeah. And then you, you carry a box into like a bigger house. Like yeah. that would be, but that would probably almost what your life would feel like in like a month, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. probably one of the reasons I feel so romantic about this time of music, that like period of music, is because like I feel like I'm I'm always romantic for having to buy records, you know, like streaming such a complicated issue for every musician and, and just the industry at large. Um, and back then, like that's why radio was relevant because if you heard something cool on the radio, you could go buy it safely. You're like, I love that song. You already love it, and that was the only other way to listen to it. You had to wait for it to come on the radio. You could try and catch it on the radio and tape it, or you went to the record store and bought the album. And like, I feel like that 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 model, for better or worse, fed into these cultural waypoint moments because if you had a song go well on the radio, a lot of people bought it. A lot of people listened to it, and it was like. There just seemed to be, it was a lot more figured out, which isn't necessarily a good thing because it was all run by like, you know, a couple, you know, giant <laughs> corporations who don't care about us as fans. But like they had they had this like whole system figured out that kind of helped to foster and create these big cultural moments so that they could profit off of them. It wasn't like altruistic. But nowadays, everything's a lot more scatterbrained and it's kind of like everyone's trying to figure out how to rise above the cloud that is all the content all the time at the tip of your fingertips. And there's, so it's rare to get even in any genre, but most so in rock lately, I feel like to get these like moments where everyone's kind of experiencing something together. Yeah. And what's, what I was thinking about, um, like I re-listened to, or it may be in the first time I'm trying to remember if I had ever listened to the whole record, but I listened to blues traveler four and that felt like, (laughs) that felt like a record that, 
Uh, that felt like a record, like a lot of records from this time frame, felt like you put the good track first. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, and I know it's a subjective thing. Someone that really likes Blues Traveler might be like, "Hey, fuck you," you know. But like, <laughs> but like, don't like thinking about this specific Everclear record. That's what I would expect. Yeah, but there's so many good songs on this oh record. Oh my god, it goes, <laughs> like <it's>, dude. Yeah, <laughs> this record just goes and goes. Yeah, and it's like throughout like the whole record, like it doesn't feel. It's there does feel like there's probably they put things and you know they top loaded it some, but it's yeah. like it doesn't technically like peter out too. No, hard there's on like this. there's probably a soft spot in like the middle to mid end, but then it comes back hard at the end. Like it's it's got a good ride to it. Like it is top loaded as most of the stuff of that time is, but like it it doesn't disappoint like yeah it doesn't fizzle out to a point where you're like all right you can just start it over again like if it gets you there for a second where you're starting to kind of wane it comes right back because amphetamine is incredible that comes up later yeah that's the back half sunflowers is like one of my favorite songs on the record and it's like in the back half so it's not even like the middle end. oh yeah that is that is such a good song i don't rules yeah i was actually i put little what i do sometimes on my notes i'll put kind of stars by the ones like like that I kind of like without even re-listening to it, I'm like, which ones spring to mind? Yeah. And uh, so it was like, you know, everything to everyone. Yeah. Uh, I will buy you a new life, father of mine. And then, well, now when you just remind me of Sunflowers, Sunflowers is like one of the better songs on the record. Like, it's so good. And it's one that I think I would, I like more now than I would have had. I like, I know I heard it because I owned the record when I was a kid, but I didn't like, it didn't stick to me. But then like when I, pick this record back up years later that song was like oh this is like such a well-written good song it sounds so cool like i think that one grew on me over time there's like a crazy thing with the production on it too i mean the production is just crazy good yeah like it's it's like something where i feel like it's like that should be taught in like production classes you know like how to make a rock record (laughs) like it's yeah everything feels exactly where it should be like nothing kind of kind of sits out in a way that you know like kind of the early part of alt rock is like a lot of bad mixing mm-hmm. you know but yeah. like this is i don't know I, i'll just keep saying perfect mixing just chanting i mean it's it's wild like it sounds so good so balanced it sounds big it's really clear and it has tricks up its sleeve like there's some cool phasers here and there and like some delays and like there is like some kind of but it's all really like in the scheme of studio production, it's pretty minimal stuff. You know, like it's just like, it's just really, really well executed and really there's a lot of follow through. Like it's, the tracking is great. The playing is incredible. And then the mixing, like you're saying is, is it's like shocking. Like I still, when I make records now in my studio, this is a record that I'll put on all the time just to think about mixing. And I think what mixes want to be has changed a lot. Like what clients want out of a mix and just like, it's, it's kind of hard because I always, I mean, not that I've made something that sounds as good as so much for the afterglow, even if I've tried, but um, it's, I wish, I feel like if I mixed a record just like so much for the afterglow right now, I think rock fans would still love it. Like if I could achieve that sonic footprint on a cool alt rock band right now, I think people would flip out and it would be like a really good sounding record right now. I don't think it would have the same huge impact that they did because I don't think these kind of mixes really get airtime or, or attention without more tricks up the sleeve and more modern production but i still think if someone made a record that sounded like this like any band people would be like oh my god your record sounds fucking sick like every other rock musician would talk about it 
Yeah, when I know it's like an easy question to ask, but I guess I'm going to ask it anyways. When people say things like guitar rock is dead, do you feel like you agree with them or is it just like different? I think I totally disagree with them. I think there's still, there's probably more guitar rock in the world right now than there ever has been. It might be dead in the sense that it's not topping the charts. Like I agree with that. It's definitely not what it was commercially, but I bet you there's more rock guitar bands right now than there ever has been just with how accessible making music is and learning guitar. Um, And then it's also changed a lot. Like I think there's a lot of cool bands that couldn't have existed 20 years ago because technology didn't exist and it hadn't been folded into rock musicians like you know like tool bag and now like you have bands that'll have like yeah there's a guitar and but they're like i don't know there's a guitar but there's also a laptop and there's also like and that's cool it's just the changing of the way we make music you know things change over time but i wouldn't say it's dead it's just not it's not what it used to be we're not topping the charts you know yeah Yeah. and since you live in la maybe you don't know this but do you feel like there are there kind of stories that I'll back up a second. Do you think that I feel like people could just go into like Capitol Records back in the day and almost like drop off their CD (laughs) and they could almost like have a story of like success. It's like, you know, like art wasn't young when, you know, Everclear started and was already a and r guy for Capitol kind of either. I'm not sure. Do you know the kind of story? I I don't know that story. I've heard I've heard stuff about it before, but I've never like really read up on him too much. Yeah. And. So it's like, I guess it's, it seems like it might have been kind of baked into the deal that maybe Everclear had. Like, it's like they were successful enough that, you know, he could kind of go, oh, do this. And, yeah. you know, so that's what I assume a lot of times A&R kind of worked with at that time. But do you ever hear stories like nowadays where kind of people doing anything like that with capital or labels like that? Does that seem to happen in the same way? Are you, you mean like artists who also work at labels kind of thing? Or that kind of idea of people just almost being able to bring like a CD or whatever. No, to like no, a... like I never hear that um, anymore. I do, you know, I've heard stories and I know people who have like, they've been like discovered, so to speak, but it's not the same as it was and, like they were discovered. And then it was like, let's pour all the money in the world into this artist. But like, there still is like little magic moments here and there, but it's not what it used to be. And also because of the destruction of that sales model that we were talking about before, like having to buy an album. Like if you, I think everybody who likes music or plays music knows that the industry changed drastically with downloading and streaming. It's like, a obviously that's just an obvious fact. But if you go back and look at numbers of like album sales in 97 versus album sales in 2003 or 2006, it's not a little bit, it's not like, Oh, it dinged the industry bad. It's insane that the industry survived at all. So I think a lot of those like big discovery moments were like, yeah, they'd sign a band and pour all this money in and a band, you felt more like a discovery or like a magic LA rock star moment. Like they heard my band or we, we sent in a demo. Nowadays, like, yeah, I know people who have sent in demos and gotten to make a record, but it's like, you know, they gave them a shoestring budget and like barely promoted it. <laughs> like it still happens. It's just the, what happens is totally different because they would back in the day, like, let's spend a few million dollars on developing a couple bands and we'll see which one sticks. And if they do well, that'll cover the losses on everything else. Cause we're going to sell the shit out of that album. But like nowadays they're like, let's see how little money they can use. And if they get lucky and it gets big, we'll take all the credit. That's like how labels, I feel like yeah. labels now are, they're looking for bands that are already on their way up so that they can hitch, hitch their wagon onto the band rather than the other way around. 
Yeah, I remember, like, I think it was when I went to see, like, Carly Rae Jepsen. They had someone opening for them, and I was like, I don't know who this is, which isn't that strange. Why would I know who it is? Yeah. But, you know, I kind of, like, looked it up a little bit, and it seemed like they were at, like, the beginning stages from what I could tell of, like, uh, I guess what we would call, like, a development deal. Yeah. And, And also there's been, like, bands even in Charlotte where it's, like, they were signed to a major... And then essentially they get in this holding pattern with essentially like making demos because I guess in some way, like late big labels are still kind of trying to find a hit, but I'm like, how do you even quantify that in 2022? Like what would be a hit? You know, it's, it's, I don't, I still, I don't think anybody knows. And I think everyone who works at these labels would give you a different answer, like super high streaming numbers. You know what I mean? Like, that's ultimately all it is because that's where the money is for all these people involved. Like, again, like with streaming royalties being such garbage, you know, like if you do the math on a Drake song, though, if you do the math on a Machine Gun Kelly song, like it's, you're still talking millions and millions of dollars that are being generated by this music constantly. Um, so it's, I think that's to them a hit is just like they need that ubiquity, that like this song is going to be the song of the summer. It's one of the things everyone's talking about on Twitter. Like, because they still can monetize that. They still capitalize on those streaming numbers. No, and and I think a lot of the bands I know who get major label deals now, like they're, it's 360 deals. So the label also owns a piece of touring and also owns a piece of merch. So they're like, they need to create ubiquity so that they can like, you know, siphon off money in every possible way from these artists. Do you think that whenever we talk about because i feel like i agree with you like i wish that there was like kind of alt rock of this caliber on the radio now or just kind of in the zeitgeist would be a phrase um do we sound like someone at in 97 that was like why can't bands like warrant be you know Um, the big thing again i'm sure we do to some degree but i think the difference i would argue is that like warrant and everclear are both rock bands like that's a very easy sentence for me to say Mm -hmm. do i like warrant like no (laughs) but they're like i mean led zeppelin i'm not a led zeppelin fan you know and like but it's not a discussion of whether or not they're a rock like them and everclear have a lot more in common than everclear and what would be called like a big rock band like 21 pilots versus everclear is a huge difference than everclear versus led zeppelin you know what i mean or everclear versus warrant like it's a it's a it's a bigger gap and maybe i i I mean i always know i'm always going to have a little bit of that the curmudgeon old guy in me because i like yeah yeah. and like like i said like computers 21 pilots computers are more involved in rock music it's more of like a production style than it is and an aesthetic than it is just like these rules of you have to use a guitar which again like i said screw the rules like good for them um but yeah i I mean i'm i'm it is a little old guy-ish like i miss i miss guitars you know i miss just like just i miss like bands like Pearl Jam bands, like just, just bands. Yeah. And it's like, we yeah. get it. I guess you're, we're also both kind of talking about, we miss kind of, I guess, what kind of hold it seemed to have on society. Like it yeah. kind of being the dominant conversation. Yeah. Know? Like Foo Fighters still do it, but they're also older now. But yeah, I wish it was like a young Foo Fighters. Like I wish it was like, yeah, what, not. what, yeah. What Foo Fighters were in 2002 or 2001, whenever like there's nothing left to lose came out. That was like a huge music that record was giant they had great videos for so many of the songs like it just felt like this cultural moment and you don't get that with just bands now like they need to be diversified into all these genres and production styles and everything but yeah why isn't there no like young Foo Fighters young Weezer young ever yeah I'm like I'm even struggling to think about like 
I guess any of our like peers, or we're using that yeah. kind of loosely, that would have potentially even have been a new Foo Fighters or something. And I'm trying to think of it loosely, but and I'm like, are they the same, or has the conversation shifted? Or I'm not really sure where I'm going with that. It's like it's like I don't know. Let's just say like a band like Drug Church. Like, yeah. should a band like that, you know, we don't have to get too hung up on like who the band is or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Like based in 97 things like that should have been like the everclear of now yeah totally you know, in and some like way. i mean like fiddler who i'm buddies with like that i mean and there was a moment there where i really thought it was going to happen we like all our friends did and we were all so excited because like their records sound like a band like a rock band and like zach got into some like deeper production and modernized his stuff at some point but it was it still sounded like rock music to me or like white reaper who are good buddies and like oh yeah that's a good yeah one. they're like yeah. i'm still waiting for them to have that moment they like i know they they're working on another record and like i hope it's giant like i hope they just toured with pearl jam opening for pearl jam like they're really primed to be that and they sound like a band to me and to go back to what we were saying before like Warrant versus you know Everclear like White Reaper doesn't sound anything like the kind of stuff we're talking about but they sound like a band to me they don't sound like Everclear they don't sound like alt rock that I love but they sound great and they sound like a band and like so there is it does exist right now and they're on a major label like they have every opportunity it's just a weird landscape so I guess we'll see when they put out another record and see what Electra does with their record and I want them to be playing a stadium, like without Pearl Jam. Not no offense to Pearl Jam, but I want them to headline. Like I yeah. want to see that band achieve what we're talking about, you know? Yeah, like they should be like whenever you think of any of those things, I don't know, it's like they're all called like Rock on the Range. There might actually be a real festival. You know, yeah. but it's like I would want to see White Reaper in like big font, like Pearl Jam size font. Yeah, for you know? sure. And it's like if you know, it like you were saying, like with Pearl Jam would be great, but I guess then would Greta Van Fleet be like a band that White Reaper would go probably with? Yeah, it pains me to say this, but Greta Van Fleet is a big rock band right now. Like they, they yeah, do, they're... they they're, they sound like a band. Like I, I mean, I don't like Led Zeppelin, and so it, uh, you know, it's not a big, yeah. uh, big surprise. I don't like Greta Van Fleet. It's even more removed because it's just, it's just Led Zeppelin too. Yeah, it but sounds like, like Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah, it's but you know again like i can talk all the shit i want but they're a big rock band and they sound like a band like it's just not my genre but i like i will sit here and appreciate the fact that they're making rock big for the people who like that kind of rock music you know like that's cool i like i it's easy to talk shit on them because like i don't like their music as a fan but it's also they're important to rock music right now yeah. whether i like that or not like they're driving this big rock moment you know yeah but it's, and, they're young, feels... and, they're, and they're young i can't think of another band at, at their age that's making that's playing big rock shows i can't either because i mean they're probably the best almost the best example because like even when you think of like imagine dragons these aren't like young guys no no <laughs> you know yeah but yeah they're like in people's heads they're yeah. the younger rock band yeah, I guess, like, I, I know, like, other rock bands I, I've been friends with in the past, like, have opened for, like, Cage the Elephant does, like, huge, huge rock shows, you know? They'll do, like, stadiums in Europe and stuff, but I don't know how much I consider them just, like, a straight-up rock band. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Sometimes I think of even bands like that era of things like One Republic and stuff like that, and I'm yeah. like, I guess those are rock bands. I guess, to yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, I think, gotten so I think, far I think, from like, yeah, we're missing alt rock is what we're missing here in this world. <laughs> yeah. Alt like alt rock. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, well, I guess like getting back into the record or even like yeah. thinking about kind of the timeline of that kind of like led him to this point. Uh, do you feel like you still go back to so much for the afterglow or how do you feel about the rest of the catalog? The rest of the catalog is good. I don't think they've made anything that I like. I really don't like. I'm going to refresh my memory really quick. Let me look at something. So, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, like Sparkle and Fade is dope. I don't really listen to the album to anything before that. Is there any like yeah, Sparkle and Fade is also what I would consider another like almost perfect record. It's really, really good. Um, I just think that so much for the afterglow is kind of a peak. I remember buying songs from songs from an American movie when I was a kid and not being like that stoked. I mean, I don't think yeah. it's bad, uh, if you know, if I remember correctly, but I definitely don't listen to it. Now, if I want to listen to Everclear, I'm going to so much for the afterglow or I'm like cherry picking songs off of Sparkle and Fade. Yeah, because I think the issue that I had kind of revisiting with Sparkle and Fade is like kind of like once you get the production that is so much for the afterglow, it's yeah. like makes it a little harder for me to like appreciate, you know, Sparkle and Fade in the same way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's what I'm saying. Like, usually if I'm going there, it's for a song and the songwriting, not so much the record as a whole. Like, I'll cherry pick, like, I'll go listen to Santa Monica or something, you know, but I'm not going to, yeah. like, but, like, I'll put on so much for the afterglow from track one all the time. Yeah. And do you think any, well, they were a Portland band. I feel like it's, it's strange to think of them as a Portland band because so much of what they are to me feels like an LA band. It I guess feels like an LA band to me, too. And yeah. I don't like, it's like, I don't know. It just like and so much sonically feels like LA and like you know, there's like the Beach Boys intro vibe yeah. thing and then like the yeah, it's just it's so much talking about sunshine and like it just feels so Southern California. Yeah. Do you do you think that with like thinking of the record like on a songwriting level, do you think this was a lot like all genuine to art or kind of like a good example of someone kind of knowing what to write that would be get big. It sounds genuine to me. Like lyrically, the record sounds. If I mean, if 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 he was, if he was straight songwriting, it would almost make me like more impressed because it sounds yeah. like it's coming from somewhere real. All the like, it, a lot of the lyrics sound like that kind of thing you could only write if it happened to you. You, you could only write if you felt it. You know, because like they're very simple. There's not a lot of like poetry happening it's a lot of like it's very discussion -y. like he's just talking to you you know and yeah. so if, if he was just kind of getting there as a songwriter i'd be shocked and impressed but like because like either way it doesn't wouldn't devalue the record to me i love people who just can write songs like for the hell of writing songs but um but yeah no i think it sounds genuine to me it sounds like it, it sounds like how all my friends write records like it sounds <laughs> like the rock bands i know it sounds like he sat down with a guitar and like talked about stuff he was thinking about yeah, like that. I guess like therapy. It almost what yeah, it feels to me. Yeah. When when I think about it, you know, also having like a complicated relationship with my father, but nothing like his. You know, yeah, his is yeah. way past. But it, it feels like if you were able to say the things you truly wanted to say to that person. Yeah. That's what this all feels like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has like there's this idea i don't know where like i originally heard it but like we talked about it with a bunch of different songwriters where sometimes the best stuff you write like you should feel so embarrassed to sing it the first time to someone mm -hmm. like yeah and you know you're getting to somewhere true or somewhere like genuine and special when it's like i guess what a young kid would call cringe now <laughs> like you know when you're like yeah. to, to say it you're just like 
oh god i can't believe i'm gonna say that in front of people tonight like that's a good thing like and it's a fine line because sometimes you have that thought and you're right and you should keep that one in the bottle like, it's not good but when you when you ride that line and you find the sweet spot where it's like it's like it, it's very exposing and it makes you feel naked and it's embarrassing to do but that's because it's true and you really got something out and this record feels a lot like that where it's like a lot of these lyrics are kind of cringy and kind of like like if i if i thought about writing it myself i'm like oh i don't know about that like it's a little goofy it's a little on the nose but then that's what makes it so good is it's just like mm -hmm. it's not hiding behind any kind of like you know like it's not hiding behind coolness it's not hiding behind mystique it's very all out there for you to listen to like there's there's nothing mysterious about these lyrics yeah i don't i don't know why this is where i go because it's like makes me think of like uh, this is a movie no one even remembers but there's this movie with sean connery called uh finding forrester and yeah, I, don't, I, I, don't remember, I don't remember watching it but i remember it existing there's a scene where he's like trying to teach him how to write uh the kid yeah. that he's like teaching to be a writer just to punch the like, keys scene? punch the keys thing punch the keys. Where, <laughs> so sometimes when i'm writing songs i feel like i have that in my head yeah. where it's like this thing and i don't know how much i succeed at it but it's like what am i it, it's basically what am i truly trying to say yeah. You know, like, don't couch it in something that isn't genuine. Yeah. And I guess, like, yeah, make it cringe on purpose, yeah, yeah. you know? And, yeah, just try and go for it. Because I've talked about this sometimes on the podcast, but I feel like sometimes when people couch things in a sarcasm or, like, a like a joke, mm -hmm. it, it kind of, like, makes me angry in a way. Unless it's, yeah. like, if it's just straight-up Tenacious D, that's, like, a different thing. You know, yeah. but, like, if it's, like, you feel like people use sarcasm to kind of, like, disarm the situation, then it's, like, I'm, like, no, just say what you're trying to say. Like, yeah. you know, so it's, like, sometimes those, like, cringe elements, those things that can feel cringe, like, yeah. and another way to kind of look at the same thing is, like, I like that idea of, like, going so specific that then it becomes, like, universal. You know? Yeah. Yeah, is you know, because it's like people probably didn't, you know, everyone didn't really have the exact situation that he did with like his dad. Yeah, but you can think of a situation that's like puts you in that place. Yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, it's the best. I mean, he's going straight for the thing. It's exactly what you're saying because I feel like when people pull punches, it's like at least for me because I do it and I catch myself and I try to avoid it, but it's always like poetry can either serve like poetic writing can either serve to like you know um be even more intent uh intentional and specific but in this like more beautiful almost painting a like an impressionist picture that can really evoke an emotion but it's almost like washed out you know like poetry can kind of take you away from the spec specificity but make it this broader beautiful picture but it can also serve as like your subconscious trying to avoid the confrontation of the emotion that you're having. Like it's sometimes it's, when you're songwriting, you're exploring an emotion you don't necessarily want to feel full on. It hurts you or it scares you or it's overwhelming and you just haven't been able to face it. And so when you write, your subconscious is kind of using the, the idea of poetry or something to pull you away from the uncomfortable edge of confrontation with those emotions. And this record, doesn't have that i don't feel like he's not pulling any punches like he's going right for where he feels like there's nothing of him trying to get away from that ledge get away from that like he's facing his dark shit or his like happy shit or whatever it is that he's talking about it's it's there yeah there's i think there's also something that really worked here they ended up 
have you heard about how they they sped up a lot of the tracks in Pro Tools? No. Uh, so in that article that I was telling you about, I you think we got a problem. Yeah, you gotta yeah it's really good. Um, they talk about essentially they decided, and this was '97, so I think it still would have been kind of early to the idea of people doing something completely all the way on Pro Tools. Like yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know? and so what he did was he would speed songs up to like 10% faster than what they were for some of them. And then he would sing on top of the sped up song because they were like, of course, if I speed up the thing after he's sung, then it's, he's going to yeah, sound yeah. a chipmunk. Yeah. And so he would sing off of that, I think to keep the energy up, which was like such a good conscious decision because I assume the reason would be that you could play it way tighter at like a slower BPM. Yeah. But then speed it up i don't know as a producer have I mean, you done could, anything like yeah, that? yeah I've, I've done that we did that on the new no one record um and i've done it for other bands too um i don't there's a million different reasons to do it it could have been that he thinks he sounds better when he's singing it at a higher key uh it could have been because they wanted to play it slower and get it like perfectly locked in could have been a million things or they just like tried it and it sounded better like there's like oh it's, it's like blowing out of the speakers now like the you know the thermals their record, I always forget what the record's called, but the, the first one, the like the one with all the like the lo-fi, really great one. Their first one is all done is all done on a four track, and Hutch did it like oh, okay. from what the, yeah the story I've heard it was like all done in his apartment. He did everything, and um, like that one, it was on like a Tascam four track or eight track or oh, something. Okay. And every song he would like pitch up or pitch down with the pitch wheel and then sing it there. So like when he gave, but like um, I heard that when he gave the four track to Chris Walla to like do a final mix down of the record, it just had like lines all over the pitch wheel with uh, like, you know, tape with pens saying like, okay, you got to turn the wheel here to mix this song and the wheel there to mix that. Song. So people do this kind of stuff all the time, but I didn't know they did it on this record. Like I wouldn't have guessed yeah. listening to it. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess like since you aren't doing vocals that way, I don't know how much you would notice like a guitar being pitched up because it just would sound. There's times you, there's times you can't like, I've done it on like on the new known record. We did it several different ways. Like we did it intentionally, like really. And we do it the other way too, where it's like, all right, let's pitch down the song, record a guitar and then pitch the song back up. And the guitar is like comically pitched up. You know oh, what okay, I mean? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, and we've sped up the song, like on one of them, we had done a bunch of stuff. There's like, it ended up being so complicated. Cause like we did the song, sped it up and then added a bunch more material. So I had to create like a bus for all the, the sped up stuff. And then there was like a whole separate session in the session of the stuff that was recorded at the higher pitch. Then I had to like print stems to send it. It was a mess, but like, yeah, I mean, there's times you can hear it and there's times you can't, especially if you're going with small percentages and you're just wanting to get a little energy out of it or something. Do you think as like a producer and songwriter, does the, listening to your music, I feel like, being a producer helps but do you think yeah. that you ever get like stuck in it all you, do you um, understand what i'm asking like if i like if i get too far down the rabbit hole or something <laughs> yeah um no i like i always i mean maybe i do that's i guess that's for a listener to decide for me right. i don't feel that way like i love like the new no one record is like so i think what a lot of people would call overproduced like it's i use the studio is very much an instrument on the right. record it is not just like a band playing straight up rock music like our last record might have been so to me it was like crucial to be to like go down the rabbit hole producing because that's a, an element of the aesthetic of this record but like 
um i don't know like the last one we made in our studio i felt like we did it just straight up like let's record some guitars and bass and drums and like maybe we'll put mellotron and some light light stuff like that over it but you know i feel like i just think of the studio as an instrument and then try and do whatever the the studio the the studio as an instrument should be doing on this specific record yeah yeah well i i think like specifically <laughs> when i think of like the gaps in between like uh my records um during the pandemic like we me and neil uh, mm-hmm. uh we both got some rudimentary kind of recording stuff like logic yeah. and a bunch of microphones and things and anything we worked on i feel like we would get like stuck in it because it would be like oh let's try this and then it'd be like yeah oh and then so it'd be like shit we've been working on like these fucking songs for like <laughs> two years and we have like nothing to show for because we were just almost like yeah just dicking around with different like not even to the level it's like in my house like trying to figure things out and then he's like oh i gotta redo guitar like so i feel like it's like you can get stuck in it you know personally you you, so. you can and i have a lot of friends who do i think i developed a skill because i used to do that more i developed a skill of being like i really like to create a sense of immediacy and deadlines even when there might not be one like when i write i'm like i need to have all these songs written in the next month and it's just like i just like act as if that's my job and then obviously if I get to the end of the month, I'm not going to like turn in garbage. Like I'll, I'll extend my, but I try to create a sense of immediacy and I do the same thing in the studio, like make records at my own studio, but I like, okay, relating this to like the Everclear record and these records that I really like, I always think about the time they had in the studio. Like you want the studio to have a start and a finish. It mm-hmm. like the, the danger of home recording, which home recording is great. And I'm glad more people can do it than ever before. But I feel like a lot of artists get to what you're talking about. And these old records, like, they had to go into the studio and then leave the studio at a certain point. You go into work, you leave work, and time is kind of money at a studio. So you only have a certain amount of time to make it. And there's something really good about that because you just have to make decisions and go, like, sounds great, move on. Sounds great, yeah. move on. And like you could sit there and be like, well, what if? But it's like, no, 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 sounds great. It's, it's awesome. Let's go. Next thing, you know? Yeah, and they yeah. still, it's like, I think it was like a month or something, but there still was like a stop and start kind of thing. There's another funny thing that kind of happens uh, in that article where they talk about like art would just leave sometimes. <laughs> like even though he's a he's like credited as the other producer on it. It's Neil yeah. Avron, and I think it's like really credited to art and like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, but especially like he was like, okay, I want y'all to do a Beach Boys type vocal thing, like starting out the record. But that's like all he really said to them, like anyone else. So that's like. <laughs> That would have been Greg, Craig, and I'm not sure who else it would be. Like, it might have been Neil, but it was like whoever was there in the studio, he's like, I'm not going to be there. Give me something. That's insane that he's not on that. No, well, I think what he did was he, he, then they played it back, and then he was like, oh, that's what I wanted. And then he laid his on there. Laid on top. That's incredible. But he, I I think the reason being, the article kind of gets into it, there was a lot of fracturing in the band. And people being like, I kind of like, I don't have enough to do or like, I'm not art kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's like it was arts band, clearly. Yeah. And so he would just kind of give them responsibilities to do. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe he wasn't doing anything useful when he left. It might have been doing something fun. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he was like, well, then you do this. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, something there's something to that. It sounds like I mean, it could go both ways. I'd have, you know, we'd all have to know more about the situation and context, but like. There's something too, like, 
I mean, there's things in my band that like I have to like I like I just stand back and let David work because he's fucking way better than me at a lot of things. You know what I mean? Like everyone's got skills and talents, and maybe Art just knew how to be like, yeah, you guys are smarter than me when it comes to doing that thing, and like I'll be the sauce on top, but like I can't fucking create it. You know? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Or he could have uh, just been fucking off and lazy. I don't know. Like he doesn't, been, he doesn't know. seem lazy, like with how the songs are written and how everything goes. But who knows? Like he could have just been pissing and be like, "Well, fuck you, you do it. I'm out." Dude. Yeah, it, I mean, it could have just been like a mix of that, you know. Um, yeah. So I guess, like, actually thinking about how do you feel like the way that you're putting together this new record is different than Downey? Downey was trying to do something much closer to what this, like so much for the app. It was trying to be like, I was really wanted to make like an alt rock record that sounds like a band, but I wanted to sound big. Like I was trying to do this, this kind of stuff we're talking about. Like, Mm -hmm. like I wanted to make as much as I could with my abilities and my, my studio. um, I wanted to make that big alt rock record, like just a band, but sounds really huge. And the songs are like hooky. Not that I, I don't think I write as clear pop songs as so much for the afterglow uh, achieved. And then on the new one, I think similar timeline, like I was, it's a very early two thousands influenced. So similar, like not far off, but I was like, like I wanted to make a more poppy record and like, but I also wanted to explore, like, you know, listen to like a lot of beastie boys earlier stuff. And like, I just wanted to, explore production more like i think i have that tendency to kind of like slingshot one way or the other and like i'm really proud of downey and i feel like i we made an alt rock record i really like and i was like well i don't want to make another alt rock record right away not to say i never will again but like this kind of felt like a fun exploration of something that's kind of opposite like the songs are still written in the same way i mean not in the same way i've collaborated with david and jeff co-writing a lot more um but like they're still the same style of songwriting, I guess. But I just wanted to get more producery and more like poppy and like not be afraid to put like some like like just like wacky stuff mm. all over the place. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it just feels like a bit like I wanted it to be more produced and I just wanted it to be more like wild and less like so, that straight yeah. up rock band thing that we were talking about before. So if if Downey was uh, closer to Everclear, then does that mean then the new record is closer to like Len. It's yeah, it's way yeah. Len <laughs> okay. was okay. So like our yeah. playlist, yeah, our playlist of inspiration for the new record had like Len. It had Beastie Boys. It had Sugar Ray. It had um, like uh, Sneaker Pimps and oh, okay. um, like anything like anything that kind of like had more beat driven rather than like what a rock drummer would play like um a lot more like hip-hop influenced beats but not necessarily like we're not trying to make a rap record but there's that period of time where like like lens a great example where you have like this poppy hip-hop influenced beat behind this like alt rock band i guess they are but they're like yeah it's like shot off into another level of production um yeah so like that was more the vibe that we did like more early 2000s like um i don't know yeah just radio yeah one thing I realized recently about Lynn, uh, did you ever listen to that band Dillinger 4? I've heard them, yeah. Never got uh, there. Yeah, they were, I mean, they have stuff on like fat records, but uh, yeah. they have a guy in the band that kind of sings the higher parts. Like they mm-hmm. kind of, each person kind of sings their own song. And the guy, the way the guy in Lynn sings sounds like exactly like that, but I don't <laughs> think anybody would make the connection between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, 
great band though land yeah, yeah i mean that song there's hit steal my sunshine is like yeah it's amazing it song. rules i just i've like looked it up before but i always forget these things but i just was listening to someone was playing me a song they liked in their car and i was like oh this is my friend tyler was playing me a song in his car and i was like oh this is the lens sample and he's like what and it was like like it was the song that the like the back of land is just yeah. like a, a couple second loop of some older song i mean of course it's just like everybody samples at that time but i, I forget what the song was shit i wish i remembered yeah do you th- do you think um uh, well i feel like a lot of times like alt rock bands or rock bands in general like get a little too obsessed with like the idea of like things being real in the room and uh yeah to, to yeah like it's like oh i don't re- even with the drummer in my band, like I feel like it's like anytime we show him a demo that has like fake drums, yeah. you know, he's just like can't get past that. And yeah. I'm like, we had to put fake drums on it to be able to show you the song. Yeah. So there's yeah. no way around it. None of us are drummers, you know. Yeah. And then it's like it's like can't get past that like uncanny valley thing. But then I'm like the uncanny valley in so many bands, if that's what we would call it, yeah, is the cool part of it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like yeah. yeah. I, I don't, yeah, that stuff, I mean, as a producer and a studio owner, like, that stuff bothers me. Some, I mean, I get it. Some people want to do things their own way, but, like, like I know drummers who just, like, can't. They're, like, the idea of putting a sample on the snare drum in a mix or something, they're, like, disgusted by it. And I'm, like, it worked on Nevermind. Like, it's, yeah. like, like they, they treat it like it's some new school cheating, like, you're not being real. And I'm, like, fucking Nevermind has samples on the snare. Like, Butch Vig will talk about it in an interview. Like, it's not this, sa- like, and that's like a, to so many people, it's like this sacred rock record, you know, never mind. And it's like, he's doing it. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for you, buddy. Like, I'm pretty sure, you know? And like, yeah, yeah I'm all about that. And then like, also, I think with like technology coming more and more into music now, as technology just gets more accessible, a lot of, uh, a lot of bands have kind of rejected as a way to be like, like, you know, we're not like that. We're like pure. But at the same time, like Beastie Boys is always such a good example because that's like one of the coolest fucking bands ever. And like yeah. so much of their music is just based on sampling and, you know, weird, like, I don't know, just production. Like so much. But then you see a video of them playing with instruments and they're fucking great. Like they're an awesome band. Like they're a punk band sometimes. They're a rap group sometimes. They're a pop band. And it's just like that. They're the coolest because there is no rules. Like they'll do Letterman on like instruments and it'll sound sick. And then they'll like play with just a DJ the next week. And it'll also sound sick. It's just about how you use the tools and like, you can, yeah. Create, yeah. But yeah. And that stuff like it gets under my skin. It so gets many under times, my skin so much. Like, and so it's many like, times there's a, there's a band that's working with me. It's like, we can't do that. And I'm like, says who, for what reason? <laughs> like we can do yeah. the fuck we want, man. Yeah. Yeah, that was, and it's funny too. It's like the same type of band would be like they would have like a huge pedal board or something. And it's like, (laughs) you do realize that is an artifice, you know? Like, it's like, you're not, you're not like whatever completely acoustic folk band. Yeah. Like, we're all trickery. Should I get like an Edison recorder with the fucking like the the tubes? You know, it's. You wouldn't have tubes. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's just like, it's just so. Uh, yeah i don't know i guess like that's the part of me that keeps me from feeling like the curmudgeonly old man when i talk about this stuff is like i love production and i love bands getting weird i mean like i'm getting weird on my new record with the electronic stuff i've just i don't know what the like like indescribable 
thing that we're missing from this alt rock era, but it's it's just not happening right now. It feels like. But I I would I would guess that as much of a in the room record this is, there yeah. are types of like tricks that are oh. employed that aren't you know you can hear them yeah. on the record you know but they just they're mixed in a way that it's not like the focal point like I think like in certain records like. I feel like even when a phaser happens in a band, yeah. like people just want it. And that, it's fine, but you know, like sometimes yeah. people just want, this is all phaser at this point. Yeah, like a record, yeah. like, you know, so much for the Afterglow feels like it's like, we'll have phaser on it, but it's yeah. going to kind of feel like it kind of fits in with everything, which is, oh, like, yeah. I feel like on a production trick, when people think about fake drums or they think about adding synth on something yeah. or like any sort of part that isn't truly in their band, yeah. you know? It's like you can kind of mix it down. <laughs> yeah. You can put a horn in there, and you don't have to play a horn live. You know, it's yeah. like back to yeah. the Beastie Boys thing. You're saying it's like if they go out and do it a different way, it's still Beastie Boys. Yeah, you know? like and, that's the and it's also yeah. cool. Like it's rad. Yeah. I like when bands like you get the version live, you get the version in the studio. Like that's awesome. It's fun. It makes like exploring that artist more interesting rather than just being like i don't know like they sound like a three-piece rock band on the record and then when they sound like live like three-piece rock band man it's like the same <laughs> show like it's nice to add texture like a, a, an album is an art form all to its own and a live show is an art form all to its own they don't need to be married to each other yeah i i maybe people have said this i would bet they have um just like you go to a show and you're like that's a three-piece rock band yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's they sound like. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Um, yeah. Is this all Fugazi's fault? Like, just too many rules. The band of all the rules. Yeah, but it's like I don't even feel like they followed those rules. I think sometimes it's like because they have certain things where it's like I don't know they like tired. Yeah, Fugazi song is on. It's like they didn't they didn't cart out like a piano on tour to play that song. Yeah. You know, they probably just figured out a version of it, you know, or just didn't play it. You know, like it's so like even the bands that we sort of like put in our head that like, Oh, well they did it like this. So we have to do it like this. And they're like, no, that's, what's funny about like, well, you know, well Led Zeppelin, they, you know, or it's like the Metallica stories, which like they taped a, uh, like a 50 cent piece to the back of the drum. So it gets like that, Oh, that tacky thing. thing yeah yeah and it's like i don't you shouldn't do anything that they did production wise you know <laughs> or do but like yeah. it's not like a hard fast rule like kind of yeah it's not being, a rule there's a million ways to get yeah. to that sound like you ever heard of eq or trying a different mic like you know there's like a million different ways to like do this that this thing that we all do so it's like yeah there's there shouldn't be rules really no rules just right yeah yeah um i i mean i guess we've kind of talked about um we've kind of talked about like the new record um but you know i've had you for a little bit so i want to make sure that we're we're kind of promoting that for it do let you go um or even before that i'm gonna ask you one question if you had to pick one song on this everclear record to cut what would it be you know, this is going to sting, but right now, lately, it's I Skip Father of Mine. And it's a really, it, it's like, it's it's probably the one that I need the least at this point in life. When I was a kid, because I didn't always have a great relationship with my dad, you know, like emotionally. Um, 
that song was like it when I was like in middle school I loved it it was awesome and I, I loved hearing it it made me feel better um about a lot of things but uh yeah I don't listen to it that much anymore like that's that's the one that I'm most likely to skip right now not that it's the worst song on the record I just like eh like I don't know I, I don't really like indulge in it that much do you think that that's probably like a too like almost like an inner sandman kind of thing where it's like you've heard the song enough in your life yeah that you don't really and like i know just having this conversation about it right now i'm gonna listen to it after this podcast like it's like <laughs> it's the one i always skip lately but just even talking about it, i'm like oh i should go i should go listen to it like you just like i don't know why it just became a habit of like i don't need to hear that one because yeah I've, I've heard it so many times in my life but like you know it's never over like I'll, i'm definitely listening to it today but that's the one i would cut probably so maybe i'll change my mind after i hear it today but well pick then your favorite song from the record that it has to be so much for the afterglow like just the opening track yeah. it's like everything about it like the the way the first bar of the band like after the beach boys thing that first lyric and first part like you instantly know you're in for a good record like yeah and that kind I, of thing where there's a there's this weird thing on the record which um there's there's like the stop start kind of thing that goes on in the song that's really fun mm-hmm. um I don't know. I I love that song too. That's so. Yeah. Sometimes I feel weird picking like the first song, you know, yeah. on a record. It's like uh, it's the title a, track, first song. Yeah, but it's such yeah. a tone setter. Like it was right to be first. It's right to be that. That's right to have be the title of the album. Like it's like it's a mission statement for the album. It's so good because like it would it would be sunflowers not like that's the one that like I feel like I mm. like. But for this album, that opening track is just like it's everything you need to know about the band right away like yeah and like i was producing this band last week in my studio and i was talking about how much i loved everclear and they're younger they're like in their early 20s and they're just like everclear like what everclear like father of mine everclear i was like yeah they're an incredible band like no and i was like but they all love weezer like they wouldn't stop talking about weezer with me so do i and i was like how what's happening like what's the disconnect that you don't get that like if you were around them these both these bands would have been this big deal to you you know and so i played them so much for the after the beach boys thing started and they were confused and they were looking at me like still why why are you doing this to us like what is this band and then the first bar like first lyric first bar and fucking band just kicks in and they instantly their faces lit up and they're like oh this is pretty sick and i'm like you we, of course it is because they were hung up on father of mine they were hung up on like this like kind of cringy hit and they weren't thinking about like this band is exactly what you guys they're like an alt rock band this band and i'm like this is this you you're gonna love them you just have need to give it time yeah 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 but what's interesting though when you think about the i can see it as the hit of course but it also it does make sense with the con you know with within the record yeah father of mine completely fits because sometimes you get those kind of hits where it's like like they it almost doesn't fit with the rest of the record oh you know, yeah it's, it's like not you know it's, it's not that yeah, yeah it still sounds like it belongs on it's not one of those like like yeah it's definitely not one of those standout like it's, it doesn't stick out like a sore thumb on the record it belongs there but i just think they didn't they didn't like the 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 sentimentality and the subject matter and they had problems with some of the lyrics that they thought were like you know problematic or whatever and i was like oh it's just a good just listen to the record man it's a good record yeah, I would say and maybe controversial statement because I know you're a big Weezer fan um, that I think that this record is stronger as a record than anything Weezer has ever done. 
Ooh, that's a hard one. I mean, <laughs> I would, I'll, I'll like, I definitely put it right up there with my favorite Weezer shit. Like, it's just yeah. as important. It's so good to me. I'll but throw like, the stones at Weezer. You don't have to. Yeah, you know, you can. I mean, <laughs> I'm not worried about Weezer. They're, they think you can throw all the stones. They'll be want. fine. But like, yeah. yeah, they'll be fine. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I would put it up there with Weezer. And like, I'm a big Weezer fan, but I, and honestly, I listen to this more than I listen to Weezer these days. Like, I listen to this record a lot more than I listen to Pinkerton or Blue, which is like really all that really matters to me there's other weezer stuff i like but that's those are the two that like really matter to me and um i listen to this more than i listen to either one of those so i guess even yeah like even if i can't admit it out loud to myself like this is way cooler to me <laughs> like yeah um so like i said before i truly let you go uh what do you have coming up in no win land um the record dodger stadium comes out august 19th um we have some shows in la um just local shows i i, I don't even i don't know if, if they'll be gone done by the time this comes out but um just playing local shows for now we want to tour as much as possible next year we're talking to a few bands about taking us out nothing i can publicly say yet um but yeah just the record out on the 19th um and then keep an eye out for us we'll be out on tour next year well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um, I guess we didn't even really talk about it. Uh, well, we did a tour together yeah. in 2019. That was, you know, that was an amazing experience for me. Like I had never played shows on the West Coast. Yeah. And um, it just like, you know, it came together. You know, obviously some of the, sh some of the shows were probably weird on the run. But overall, yeah. it's like, you know, for however many days it was, like you let, us stay at your house and we didn't really yeah. know each other that much, no you know no but that's the <laughs> rule rules of rock music right like we're both we both come from diy communities like i'm not about to like tell you to get a hotel in la you know yeah yeah and so, you know so simply i appreciate it like it meant a lot like oh, we no were able to travel behind you in a car while you had some of our gear and so yeah we owe you a ton you know we'll do that. it dude we'll do it again sometime and now we have yeah. a we're we're almost done building it but i have like a new studio slash guest house behind my house here so now you can stay here again in your own little airbnb in the back dude for free you got a nice little crash pad in la now yeah yeah maybe yeah that time i want to see if we can like i know you won't like it but it was definitely an experience seeing like y'all uh i guess lose a car while we were there what car do we lose i think the bmw caught on fire or I don't oh know yeah, it did, yeah whatever did, car it was it, yeah, it caught on fire yeah, we had a car like just cash. family car yeah just like family car <laughs> caught on fire. you were here when that caught on fire no we were yeah that was really funny <laughs> <laughs> it probably well probably it's like it probably feels more funny now and well it was like it was it was insured it got it got fixed it was fine like it, i mean i think at the time we were freaking out more just because like how the fuck did this car catch on fire in the driveway but it was like you know we have insurance it's okay it's just i things. think what happened was but still it's like even when i explained this this shouldn't have happened this way it was like you were charging the battery on the van yeah we were jumpstarting the it, van and i was like but, i must have yeah. hooked up the terminals backwards but uh, I think Fiore, one of my friends was here with me at the house. And when we went to go pull it all off, we're like, no, it's hooked up correctly. You like, would have known when you, yeah. Yeah. If yeah. You... We couldn't, we, we couldn't figure out for the life. Was, unless like it would, maybe it was cheap jumper cables and somewhere in the middle, there was like some kind of short where the, I don't know. All I know is we like inside letting, like letting the engine run in the car charge. Then we we're like fire <laughs> like, right outside. There's flames coming off of the, the car. Yeah, yeah we were here we yeah. were there <laughs> yeah you had like a full la trip right you did like all the sightseeing and stuff yeah i think on like the first day we uh drove down the uh 
just like Hollywood Strip. Yeah. Uh, went into like the Hollywood Hills, listened yeah. to Hollywood Hills by Bob Seger. <laughs> yeah. uh, then on like the second day, we went to like the observatory from like Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. We did all of the like. Yeah. Yeah, we saw a guy that kind of looked like Billy Corgan. Um, and, yeah, it was it was the most LA trip, and I yeah, can't I to, can't wait to come back to LA. Yeah, you got to come back. Did you go to Disneyland? We didn't end up. I, I we really did have the time to go to Disneyland yeah. <laughs> because we were just like chilling at your house all day. Yeah. Uh, but like, I think we just went and did things like we went to Del Taco. We went to like yes. uh, In and Out. Yeah. Uh, I think we were like we may either may have went to tower records if tower records was still i i don't know yeah, i feel like gone. we did yeah okay we I, I think we probably just asked you like is tower records so, like no. we did the most la stuff we could do like you know. yeah well when you, when you come back we have more and the neighborhood around our house is so different now and there's like yeah there's so much more stuff to do you gotta come down there's a good pinball arcade that's where i went today it's like a block from my house comic book store slash pinball arcade oh that sounds sick yeah well th- thanks thanks for taking the time of course anytime thanks for having me Welcome back. Thanks again to Danny for coming on the pod. It's great catching up. And like you heard on the pod, they were super amazing to my band when we toured together a few years ago. Can't wait to go back to LA. Anywho, please check out the new No Win album, Dodger Stadium. Pick up a copy direct from the band. Okay, next week we're talking with Joey Ciara of the band Near Beer and previously of the band Henry Claypeep. We talked about Desaparecidos' 2002 album, Read Music, Speak Spanish. More on that next week. Once again, don't forget to check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we listen to records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. So don't miss out. Follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Instagram at spinningoutpod. Really helps a lot to please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a comment, and reviews definitely help. So do that. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week.